0: My guest today is Carrie Pomerale. She's been featured on The Tonight Show 29 times, Comedy Central, ABC, and many more. She has hosted her own TV show on TV and is a popular host on red carpets, including backstage at the Emmy Awards. Her latest book came out with the hit movie Mom's Night Out, starring Sean Astin. She was featured on The Nick at Night Show, Mom's Night Out, and she's also an actor that's appeared in many films and TV shows including General Hospital, The Young and the Restless, and on networks such as Lifetime, ABC Family, CBS, and many more. She's a screenwriter who sold her second film script to the Hallmark Channel. Carrie's been a correspondent for CNN's Showbiz Night as an out-of-the-closet Christian in Hollywood. She's been featured on many TV shows discussing her faith. Carrie's appeared on just about every major network and has been featured at some of L.A.'s hottest nightclubs. She currently is in her third year of touring with comedian Bob Smiley with her sold-out tour for singles called Single Is Not a Four-Letter Word. Her new podcast called Hashtag I Need Attention launches later this year. She's passionate about her faith. She's been featured on CNN News as a Christian in Hollywood, TVN, CBN, Hour of Power, and others. She speaks about 40 weeks a year on Christian platforms as a comedian slash evangelist for events of all sizes. She has toured with Lisa Bevere, Laura Story, The Newsboys, Ryan Stevenson, Joni Erickson-Tada, Plum, Cutlass, Lisa Harper, and Carrie Jo. She's been on tour with Family Life Today to sold out crowds over 10,000, and has worked with Robert Morris at his gateway campuses in Texas for over the last 10 years. It's an honor to present to you the hilarious, the talented, the anointed, Supernaturalist, Carrie Pomerale. Right here, right now, on the Supernaturalist Podcast Show. Let's go.
1: one author and she's very popular and you know she's one of those women who's like every moment counts and she's churning her own butter looking out in the horizon with her like six homeschooled kids and i'm like i am a failure i suck (laughs) now we're talking
0: Hey, what's up? Hi. Hey, uh, this is awesome. I've been looking forward to this for for a while. I, 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 you were described as like the 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 Christian comedian that's doing really cool stuff, but you also have like this crazy healing anointing.
1: That's uh, exactly right. It's weird that, to hear somebody else say that, but yeah. I mean, I feel like I am put on this planet to evangelize and pray for the sick. And by the way, I do comedy. Like, I feel like that's secondary, but okay. I didn't start out that way.
0: Yeah. So, hey, let's dive in. So, Like, So, at what point did you realize, wow, I think I might
1: actually be funny? Uh, never. No, I'm <laughs> um, waiting for that to happen. Okay. Um, I think when you become a comic, it's not because you're a little kid praying to God, oh, please let me be a comic. It's yeah. like, oh, I got picked on in third grade and I have a big mouth. Yeah. And I did go to school in Detroit. And I went to a private little Christian Reformed, Dutch Christian Reformed school with inner city Detroit street kids bust in. So in first grade, <laughs> we were doing your mama jokes. Like literally, I learned all my jokes from like, I remember the names, Quan Paxton and Andre Garrett. And like these kids were like deaf comedy jam in the Dutch Reformed Christian school. So to be in a first grade class that is getting in trouble with the PTA, like that just started it off. And I'm Italian. So I'm in the Dutch Reformed Christian school with the inner city Detroit kids and I'm the Italian. So, like the whole setup is like, you're not normal. So, yeah, um,
0: that's the, awesome. Yeah, that well, is awesome. That was
1: great. But then my parents are kind of funny people, and we laugh a lot in my house. And the performing was, you know, performers. They come out of the womb that way like yeah. there's no other choice for them like i always if somebody's like my kid wants to be an actor i'm like will they cut you if they don't do it they're like yes okay that's when they're supposed yeah to do it. yeah so i came out going i'm gonna move to hollywood when i was five just but, always um,
0: doing shows and just yeah, always entertaining in my basement people and,
1: and keeping my babysitters up till like 11. yeah, selling and we're tickets. Doing, yeah clearly yeah. my little brother is the mc uh i have pictures but so i was always performing And I never thought of myself as funny. I just literally was always a little odd man out. And you have to cope with that. So you are funny. And then I think the funnier you are, you almost get picked on a little bit more because people are amused by it. I've learned that lesson looking back. There was a girl that got picked on in grade school and she would cry and i think the boys were like that's not fun and then i would fight them and then they're like oh carrie's adorable when we pick on her right so um being quiet like that whole um gift of silence maybe something i should have invested in in grade school but uh so i went to high school and i went to university of michigan and i majored in music and theater and when I was 22, we loaded up a minivan, and we drove to L.A., and my mom and dad dropped me off. Oh, my goodness. And then this was in the late 90s, where we did not have GPS. Okay. So we had a magic marker and a map. And so my father... That's terrifying. Do you remember? You're so young. Before cell Do you remember phones? maps?
0: Yeah, well, I remember MapQuest.
1: Yeah, well, no, no. <laughs> well, you There's to, no MapQuest. Well,
0: you had to print it up on a printer. It's called
1: a Thomas Guide. It's a big book, and it's like, remember that was geography like, class? Yeah, that, my There's dad like had 0. one. Point four. 6. I never used a Thomas yeah, like, Guide. You have to go to the map, and you're like, the geography says .L4 is like her. Yeah. So I had a cell phone. But it was a car phone, right? So it's like 99, 1999. You probably were not born. But um, I had a car phone. I was born
0: in 2002. Okay. No, mm, I'm
1: kidding. No, yeah. I, I'm 82. So, 1999, you have a car phone. Yeah. It stays in the car. Yeah. So you're not just calling your friends because it's like 50 cents a minute. <sighs> So you're only calling your friends and you're like, I'm stuck in the Hollywood mountain. I can see the Hollywood sign. I need to get to Santa Monica. Help. So there's no GPS. So you have a piece of paper in LA driving around. So it was actually, as I would like to say, the best of times and the worst of times. That's
0: why there's gas stations. It's like, oh right? yeah, of course. Yeah.
1: But so I worked three jobs. I lived with my roommates. I did auditions. I started working as an actor. Lots of Christian TV, General Hospital, Young and the Restless, all the Christian shows. That's what I saw. I saw, yeah, like, I saw
0: these, like, these soap operas yes. in your, in hey, your resume. Hey, it's yeah. nice
1: work if you can yeah. get it. But no, I just was acting and then...
0: Was that like a regular thing? Like, yeah. Like you were a regular I was repeating... Nurse Kathy,
1: the mute nurse. I always called myself mute because I didn't get a lot of good storylines. Yeah. And I told my mother, it'll be next week when she gets her voice back. <laughs> but, um, and then I my big... Break was getting the Jay Leno comedy show, and I started doing sketches on the Tonight Show, and that's when I started to go. This is
0: fun. Okay, okay. So let's rewind. So before you, because that's a huge deal, like to it be on fun. on the Jay Leno. Yeah. So were you you were, you were like you were doing like stand up at different no like,
1: character no this is before stand up oh okay. I started doing Sorry. characters so it oh, was characters. Britney Spears it was the Bush daughters it was Tanya Harding so it were was you like, doing
0: that at different kinds of like clubs and stuff no, like just getting up would and doing write- character.
1: They would write the sketches, and we would perform them. But I was in a thing called Second City, and I was in a thing called The Groundlings. And that's where Will Ferrell and Sherry Terry and Second City is where all the Saturday Night Live cast. You know, uh, John Candy, John Belushi, all of them. It's so awesome. That's improv. Yeah. So then I started to get more into my faith. And that happened in my mid-20s when this girl invited me to her church. I'd been in church my whole life. But her church had people in Hawaiian shirts, and their hands were waving up and down. I'm like, it's a cult, but they have chicken, so I should probably stay. So free food, yeah, free food. It's what's called a Foursquare church. I didn't know anything. Yeah, I'm a Catholic girl from Detroit, and so I was like, Foursquare
0: well, is totally a cult
1: yeah clearly yeah clearly <laughs> totally. it was called king's harbor yeah, Beach. Yeah, yeah. Uh and so i walk in there and they're all waving their hands and the pastor's got jeans on and my mother in my head is like don't drink the kool-aid wear yeah, your pearls yeah and then i start bawling in the worship i'm like why am i crying it's an intervention there's kleenex in the aisles of this little church and then the pastor remembers my name next week and i get more chicken and then they invite me to small group and i get more food and so i'm just sort of evolving into this christian thing and these are like ex-drug addicts and x this and i was like this is not my mother's church yeah. like this is not georgia presbyterian frozen chosen and like that like when i used to smoke crack and i'm like what they let you in like how i stack up fine compared to you guys you yeah. know." so i fell in love i'm in with the these. wrong group yeah totally yeah. but i was like i like you guys i like you a lot you know and wow. so wow. i made friends with this popular girl her name was betty she was 87 and they counted the prayer requests, her and Marion. And I was like, you need to get in with these girls because they know the dirt and they bake. So it was always about food. And <laughs> Betty was like awesome and we were buddies and she told me that she made mistakes in her life and I never heard a church lady because my mother's perfect. And so I fell in love with these people. And I, I fell in love with Jesus and I fell in love with church. And I, I was like, this is why I want to go to church.
0: And this is at the same time as life. I was doing improv and, and I'm doing Hollywood
1: like, and I'm not doing stand up and I'm trying to make my way Christian light. In, I was a good girl, I wasn't doing anything bad. Sure. And then I went to this women's retreat and I came home and did the ugly cry after you go to a retreat and you're like, I'm more Christian now, I want to serve you, you know. And like got my Bible and I opened it up to whatever page and like, what do you want from me? And I just felt like there was something inside of me that was like, try stand-up comedy. It was not my idea. And it was like move back to Hollywood, immerse yourself in this culture.
0: Oh my goodness. Wow. Only
1: God could have said that. Wow. And so I was in Second City and the improvs. We're getting harder to be a part of because the longer it was there, the kind of get dirtier. And one of my castmates got saved just because I was there. And I would bring my castmates to my church to do shows for the youth. Find out later that half of them were high. I didn't know. I was so, like, clueless, right? But one of them ended up getting saved. and like, It's incredible. It was, you know, and these are, these are people that have done big things. Like, I was in Second City with Derek Waters. He created the show Drunk History and, yeah. like, some, you know, uh, Simon from The Big Bang Theory, he was a class of me. Like, these are kids that are doing amazing things in Hollywood. And I'm like, God, why am I even there? And I look back and I'm like, I was sharing Jesus without being super cultish. They just knew I was Christian. Wow. And they liked coming to my church. And they'd be like, it's cool to go to Carrie's church. I mean, it was just so funny. So then I was like, okay, I'm going to try stand-up. It happened so fast. I I took a comedy class. Within three months, I was on stage. Within six months, people were offering to pay me they asked me to go to a church sherry shepherd who you would remember she was on the view and she's a pretty famous actor yeah she's a christian yeah
0: yeah and uh
1: she's an african-american and so they started taking me to all these african-american churches which is when i found out that I like black people better. I've just decided as a general rule, white people are not my greatest audience. It's Latinos I'm and a I'm not that mixed big into crowd, white people right? either. Yeah. yeah. So, um, Which would explain it's the, rest, overrated. the rest yeah. of my entire yeah. life. So I toured with them and then one church. And so what happened was I kind of got sick when I started doing comedy. I had some stomach problems. I They couldn't diagnose me. And I've always dealt with medical issues. And it was pretty intense. Well, my church was having these bootleg prayer meetings. Friday nights, it was like you had to get invited. Yeah. Right. And so I heard there were these prayer meetings and people were getting healed. And uh, all of a sudden, it was like an ambush. Everywhere I looked. These
0: were like unannounced?
1: These were like, you better know the password to get in. Because apparently (laughs) people were like praying in tongues. I didn't know what that was.
0: And that wasn't a regular part of like the Sunday morning? Oh, no. That church was four
1: square, but it was more like two and a half square. And so the pastors, (laughs) the bootleg pastors, were doing these Friday night prayer meetings. And I would roll on in there and watch this guy who was yellow because he needed a liver. His name was Bernie. He was going to die in three days. And they would pray for him. And then he would get better. And then. Was this
0: like a special kind of speaker that was there? No, was it like, it was this the is living the normal room. crew. It was like
1: this couple hosting prayer in their living room, and I'm wow. like, I got to get a hold of this.
0: And God was just honoring it and showing up. I need up. to get
1: in into this room, and I would crawl, and we would pray till two in the morning.
0: Wow! wow and people wow.
1: would say things to me like, "Do you want me to? Do you know what tongues?" Or they're like, "Have you ever heard of like deliverance?" And I mean, apparently, I must have had. I don't know what your listeners, if you're allowed to talk about this, but I must have had 87 demons. I'm sure I did. Because every time I would go, people would pray for me and I would feel like all this stuff like lifting off me. I didn't know what was going on, but it was like a boot camp. At the same time, I'm in Hollywood doing stand-up comedy. So then the two shall meet because I have a big mouth. So then I start talking about it. On stage, off stage, people are, I'm very out of the closet. And then people are like, Oh, will you pray for my grandma? She's in the hospital. Is that a real thing? Will you pray? So like,
0: you're telling these kind of stories when you're doing like stand up? Like kind you're talking of, about like, d- about demons coming out of uh, you. No, and, like- no, no.
1: No. But comedy, it was just like becoming such a big part of my life, I couldn't stop it. So then when they asked me to go to a church and they said, give your testimony. I was like, what is a testimony? I yeah. literally did not know. And they're like, well, what's God been doing? I'm like, oh, God's been healing me and he's been doing a lot of stuff. And then they're like, well, will you give the altar call? I didn't even know. I'm like, can you write it down? Yeah. And I swear, the first altar call I did, I don't think they're going to get it. I yeah, really don't. Yeah, I think that yeah. church in Santa Monica is screwed. I don't think I did yeah. it right. But then it just evolved. And, you know, it's been 14 years now, but I couldn't shut up. So. Because I was going to these prayer meetings, which turned into a house church for 10 years of my life, which turned into a guy in the living room, let's get him out of the wheelchair, which turned into, hey, why can't we walk on water, which turned into more and more and more. Um, And then finding other people that walked in that circle, I was addicted. I was like, I want to do this every day, all the time. And I would continually have to battle my own. Issues and my family and my mother was has been medically infirm, so I was on a war path to get all the healing I could, and I would always get healed, but there was always another thing coming. Sure, and sure. And then, but we would go out and we would see people, and it was crazy. Sometimes I'd be like jesus is saying that story about healing the blind and i don't know why i'm talking about this and some presbyterian church in indiana this lady comes up she goes well you're gonna pray for my eyes and i'm gonna get my sight back and my presbyterian mother's there she's like well that's gonna be lovely and we (laughs) prayed and then all of a sudden her sight starts coming back and i'm freaking out and my mother's just like doesn't know what to do with it and then it starts coming back more and then i followed this lady to lunch now she had so much faith she was not in a hurry. I was in a hurry. I was like, look at the wall. Tell me how many fingers I'm holding up. Tell me how many fingers. She's like, well, I told you I was going to get my sight back today, and I had glaucoma, and it's going away. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. Oh, my gosh. Like, following her around. Right from like, your mom. Yeah. Like, yeah. so excited. And so my mother thought she got diagnosed with lung cancer. My mother's a cancer survivor three times.
0: Wow, wow. And
1: there was a mass in her lung, and we really... We're scared. Well, guess who she wanted to pray with? My people. So we prayed. And we did everything. We called the radio stations. We did everything. She ended up not having lung cancer by the time that they went to go look for it. It was not there. There was some sort of excuses that the doctors made. We know God healed her.
0: That's incredible. That's amazing.
1: It's just been this crazy roller coaster of a journey, and it's grown and it's evolved. And so you
0: were like catapulted not just into just a relationship with Jesus, but into this very supernatural where, where healing was just a normal part. Totally, deliverance was just a normal part totally, of your Christian experience.
1: I raise kids now that were born into it, and it's funny to watch them. I had a, when my daughter was four, she really wanted to walk on water, and she was mad that she couldn't, and. To have kids that were quote prophesied over when they before they were born and like my 11 year old has like a Catherine coleman like healing anointing and they go to a school where it's very flourishing there yeah so it's funny to watch little kids walk in that when my faith so i was at a show about a two years ago lucy's 11 maybe she was eight um, we can talk about this later, but I have a healing testimony yeah, about yeah, my daughter. Yeah, yeah. yeah, So at the end of my healing testimony, my little girl Ruby comes on stage and my little girl Lucy comes on stage and we're at a pretty progressive charismatic church and Lucy grabs the microphone to pray and she starts saying, well, you know, God is a God of miracles. And if you want to walk, you can walk. And she looks at a little boy in the front row and she goes, and you are going to get up out of the wheelchair. And I'm like, oh my gosh, they're going to fire me. I thank God they paid me before the show. I'm dying. Like, I'm dying. And she's like, it may not be today. It may not be. And they're clapping. I'm like, thank God it's not a Presbyterian church. (laughs) And and she's like, you're going to walk. I say you're going to walk. And I'm like, oh, my gosh. So then I have to tactfully grab the mic back and be like, that was good. That was so good. (laughs) So then I pray (laughs) get the heck out of Dodge. And I find out later that this little boy is in the wheelchair because he was in chemotherapy and he hasn't walked for several years. His parents had been praying for him ever. Every day to walk. So I have no part of this. Lucy goes over there. There's a man from the church. All of a sudden, the kid is up taking a step out of the wheelchair. Oh, my
0: goodness. Crazy. And God is like, would you just shut
1: up? (laughs) Then the week later, she said he was using a walker. And now we're friends with the family. And we're still like continuing to pray.
0: That's incredible. But
1: my embarrassment is because I'm not eight. You know what I mean? Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. They used to walk up to people you know, in the park and say, can I pray for your arm? It's in a cast. I, I don't ever want them to lose that, but that's the faith of a child that I wish that we could all still, you know,
0: but she got that from you, right? Like that boldness and that belief that that's just what God's going to do. She learned that from somewhere.
1: Yeah. And I, I try to continue to foster it. And it's really funny because she's in junior high now and she preaches, they do these little sermons and you're supposed to do a two to three minute sermon and she's very, she's good. And she's like, and I want all of you to take out your phones and look on your Instagram. Would Jesus follow you? And she's like, I want you to know. And I'm like, who your are you? Your daughter's awesome. Right? She's not even on social media. Yeah. And then I go, how'd you serve? And she goes, I preached for like 30. I go, what? You're supposed to preach three minutes. She goes, well, they skipped lunch because they wanted to hear me. I'm like, oh, my God.
0: Revival broke out right? in the school.
1: Right. Well, they have revival at the school. But I was like, girl, you don't need to preach 30 minutes. Less. She goes, I only did 15 last week. But she's so... um. Like, full of confidence that I I just didn't have at 11. I didn't have it at 12. I just want to keep her in this bubble for the rest of her life. And, like, she's a weird kid. She dresses like she bought a snowsuit at a flea market. She thought it was a jumpsuit. I'm like, it's a snowsuit. And she wears it around. She doesn't match. She's totally like this wow. weirdo. Wow. But she kind of like makes it work. But I don't ever. If she was in public school, dear God, like yeah, I don't yeah, even know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so it's just funny. They, this school in the middle of L.A. is this revival school since 1947. What's the name of this school? Oh, uh, it's called Redeemer Christian. Awesome. And it's down to like 90 kids. Okay. I mean, it's been 200 kids, and they're down to 90 kids. Okay. Because the devil wants it shut down. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But they pray, and they have anointings and they have healings and it's a mixed population blue-collar white-collar mixed race very very mixed race and the funny thing is it's 90 percent african-american and then the church we ended up in after the house church is a hundred percent african-american except for my family right so my kids are like completely immersed in all these different cultures It's so, amazing and That's now we're so looking awesome. for like a new church We've been there five years, and God is saying to move. And I said, well, I want to go to this other church, Resurrection. I was telling her about it. She goes, well, I guess. And I said, you know, it's a lot of Latin culture. And she goes, well, I guess I could get down with Latinos, Mom. <laughs> I was like, Lucy, white people are good, too. We're just, you know, we haven't been around them much. But um, so we've had an interesting church life and they've had an interesting life they come on the road with me they come on stage with me their dad's a comedian i'm a single mom we're not married anymore but he is um at the house like yeah. a bad sitcom all yeah. the time yeah and so um yeah <laughs> like that's dad he's on the couch yeah um but so their life has not been normal which i think is kind of great i don't know
0: yeah, yeah that, it sounds incredible your story is just it's just amazing and so uh so what does life look like right now
1: Oh, my goodness. So uh, three weeks ago, I was told I have to leave the house that we're renting okay. in L.A. I've been there for five years. I live with my roommate, my two daughters, and my ex-husband periodically, mostly. But um, I'm a sole custody on paper of the kids. And okay. I so he had some medical... Uh, he had suffered from bipolar disorder when we were married. So wow, wow. he's working on his life, sure. and I'm, he's a wonderful father. So three weeks ago, I'm told, you have to move. And between now... And three weeks ago, I'm now putting an offer in on a house in L.A., which is just insane. I mean, talk about drink the Kool-Aid. You have to give them your kidney. You have to drink the plasma. (laughs) Like, every month, you have to go get plasma. And, like, it's crazy. And I'm just like, but... (laughs) To pay rent in L.A. or to put an offer on a house with termites, by yeah, the way. There's right. termites in the house. And the host was like, don't worry about it. Every house has termites. You really want to get in the market. You know? I'm like, oh, my gosh. And I was in Seattle. You're not going to yeah. last week. I'm like, how much is that house? How much is that? i like, you probably get that for $300. i am like, what? I can't even get the termites to enter for 300000 So So uh, that's happening. Amazing. And Amazing. And I'm touring. And I'm my a couple books are coming out. And I'm always on the road. So and not all the time. I mean, maybe a Friday or a Saturday here and there. But um, so that's an ever, uh Probably like your job. It never has consistency exactly the sure, same
0: way. Sure, sure, sure. Now, I'm excited to hear about your two books. They're coming out in, uh, in November. Thank you. And you have two books that are coming out a day apart.
1: Or one day. I think they're both what? coming out on the 5th. Um, the same day. Okay. Mm-hmm,
0: so mm-hmm. let's talk about that.
1: Thank you. Yeah. Uh, uh, years ago, I was asked... How do I become the most godly woman I can? And there's a lot of examples out there. And Mm -hmm. the ultimate example, Proverbs 31 woman, right? So as I like to say in my act, I read Proverbs 31. and It did not speak to me at all. I do not plow and I do not raise early. So I was like, I'm never going to hang. And I love you, Lisa Turkers. Like, yes. But like, I always felt when I wrote my very first dating book, Guys Like Girls Named Jenny, um, I always felt like... What is with these books, I kiss Dating Goodbye? I'm like, yeah. that's not a book for me. Yeah. I wanted to write a book because like I gave dating a chance. you know. Yeah. And so I always felt that there's so much pretty pretty paper and shininess in the Christian world. And the way that I write is like hot mess for Jesus. So I said, I want to write a book called Hashtag Hot Mess for Jesus. So, and I'm never a Proverbs 31 woman. So for years I've been saying, I'm a Proverbs 32 woman. Like, when she orders, she gathers her food from afar, that's Uber Eats. You know, so I'm always one step behind the cool kids. Right, right. So I wrote this book, and I wrote a letter to the Proverbs 31 woman in heaven, because she has email. And I was like, listen, you're stressing women out for ages. Did you even know Solomon was watching you? Like, what's up? And so this book is an exchange of modern-day issues. Wow. Um, And I also wrote a 60-day devotional called, She Rises Late and Her Kids Make Her Breakfast, Confessions of the Proverbs 32 Woman Devo. Brilliant. And That's brilliant. they let me put in 80s rap lyrics. They let me put in Botox stories. They let me put in Patrick Swayze. And I got the lyrics to the Golden Girls theme song. So people sounds say- sounds amazing. This go, sounds amazing. Is it like Beth Moore? It sounds incredible. No, it is not <laughs> at all. Is it like Spurgeon? Not, no. 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 Was it like Christian? Yes, it's Christian. Yeah. but um, So the devos are like a page and a half long, but- I really poured my heart into it, and I just let it all hang out. I mean, I wrote – I sold a bunch of people down the river, especially my kids and my ex-boyfriends, all of them.
0: It sounds incredible. Thank it it sounds It's like such an amazing project. I, I, I would love to read it so when, we'll when, when, when it comes out, um, especially because um, within uh, Christian literature, there's not a lot of Chris, Christian literature that makes you just laugh, where, where you can really kind of enjoy it and really kind of enjoy yourself. There's a lot of great Christian literature that will make you Cry. weep. You know, and it'll resonate with you, but make you cry, you know. but
1: There's a couple authors that I couldn't even get through because I'm sobbing. Like, there was this one author, and she's very popular. And, you know, she's one of those women who's like, every moment counts. And she's churning her own butter, looking out in the horizon with her, like, six homeschooled kids. And I'm like, I am a failure. I suck. And, like, my book is like, I'm in the bathtub eating Nutella with a fork. I mean, like... And I skipped church, but I watched Tales. Like, that's my quiet time. You know? That's like, awesome. It's true. Like, we're yeah. live streaming today. Yeah. It still counts, right? right it's right. like all the sins that we're all doing. So I don't know. Um, and I have this group on Facebook called the Proverbs 32 Women Facebook group and. Hashtag hot mess for Jesus. And I am amazed at how many women, 500 women joined this group. And I'm so flattered. And they're all just as messed up with me. You know, like they're posting their pictures of their kids and not matching shoes and getting up to church. And I mean, like just all the stories. But then, of course, because I am who I am and God is who he is, it turns into a prayer group. I didn't even plan it. And these women start praying for each other. And then I start praying. And there was a woman in the first week of the group with six cancerous tumors and then she goes back to the doctor, and they're all gone. They're all gone.
0: That's incredible. And another woman was
1: supposed to get a feeding tube, and now she doesn't have to get a feeding tube. Now listen, That's I want the 498 others of us to get all that, and I still haven't figured it out. Because if I get a hangnail, I'll probably go to the ER. Like, right, right, I have right, right. started a prayer meeting before being me. like, do you guys have Advil for my head? I mean, right? <laughs> it's like the Shoemaker's kids go shoeless. Right, right. Like, so, That's uh, awesome. You know, and I know you're really into that. And do you struggle with like the way in God heals and doesn't heal? Like, does that bother you? Do you stress about it or do you try to just not?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. I think that one of the hardest things for me to teach on in our church Mm -hmm. environment is healing. It's easy for me to go to. Another to another church. It, it's easy for me to go uh, uh, minister somewhere else where I'm not doing life with those with those mm-hmm. people. Um, my uh, first 12 months of ministry, I did eight funerals, and they were tragic losses. We lost two different mother-son oh, situations, uh, uh, you know, in the same year. Like they're just, and um, also I was wrestling with my own belief. Like right? I, I, I've always known that God can heal. But I just didn't expect for him to ever do it with me or or through me. But from
1: what I read about you, you are very into it like you're absolutely
0: absolutely like the stuff
1: i'm telling you you're not like oh she's crazy. yeah
0: no no but i've been through this process you know like this process of where basically i was basically kind of like an unbelieving believer like an unbelieving pastor sure if that makes sense
1: well there's a lot of them
0: yeah and so like i like i had to go through this place where i was going to be like no matter what i see i'm going to trust you god that you can and that you're willing
1: It's just, I struggle with it because I don't want it to feel like a lottery of like, oh, I prayed for 15 people in two, one, but sometimes in my own head or why do I suffer? I do suffer very greatly with medical attacks a lot, a lot. And then I know all the prayers. I know all the words. I know all the songs. I know everything. And I can't seem to overcome it in a quick enough way for me, but I, I always seem to overcome it, but I'm like, Lord, I I am praying every, there's no recipe you know, I'm a part of a prayer team with John G. Lake Ministries. They're some of the greatest prayer words. But yet, if somebody had the secret sauce, we would all be doing it. And so in the healing journeys that I've walked out, the longer the progressive ones, the thing that I've learned mostly is God's like, just don't quit. Like, just stay in the game. Yeah. You've got two choices. You can get out. You can buy the t-shirt yeah. of sickness or yeah. stay in the game.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Do you know Randy Clark is? Mm-hmm. I yeah. Like Randy. One of the things that Randy talks about is he says to uh, uh, support that we're developing the healing gift. Uh, uh, outside with people like like develop it before the before anything ever comes to your own home because when your own child is sick that's when you that's when you don't want to be figuring out what you believe about healing so begin to develop that gift J- just out and about and you know uh um. or
1: like pastors though like that I really admire I wish I could take them out to lunch and be like how sick are you on a Sunday morning like how many times have you had to drag yourself on because I've been how all- many
0: red bulls do yeah, you have to like, actually drink I've or- been
1: I, it was I literally got a kidney stone attack last month wow which is wow. the most demonic pain and yeah. I've had it like 20 times in my life wow and it took weeks to get over it and I was still working and I was still performing and I was still seeing people get healed and I was crunched over on the floor backstage and these women walked by me and I think I thought there was like a stowaway or a homeless person and then two seconds later like you've seen her on the Tonight Show, it's Gary Bomeroli. <laughs> like, the audience doesn't know, you never tell them, but I'm like I wish more kind of talked about it because I don't, not that you want them to talk about it to be like yeah my life sucks, it's so hard, but sometimes I feel like man are other people struggling as much as I am behind the scenes. And then, of course, I have friends, and the answer is yes. But, you know, sometimes I'll uh, study some of these word faith people who I love and respect, and they're so joyful, like, all the time. And they're like, God is so good. And Jesse Duplantis, and he's like, I haven't been to the doctor in 30 years. I'm like, what are you doing that I'm not? And I really want to know, sincerely. I really want to know. I've gone, I'm not a denominational person. Mm -hmm. I believe in any denomination that believes in Christ. So I just try to take what I can. But I don't think anybody really has the answer. I think it's a matter of like, just don't get so discouraged that you don't keep trying.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that if we can just remember that, yes, that Jesus is the answer, that on the cross, that's when healing was, was made possible, that's when salvation was made possible, that all of our healing was paid for, Like, like, when did you actually get healed? Two thousand right, years ago right, on the cross, right. yeah. but when is that actually going to manifest? Does it manifest here and now? Does it manifest tomorrow or, mm-hmm. or, or in heaven? But that your healing has been made. There is an expiration date on every disease, you know, and even death isn't final, right? Right. And so we tend to we tend to glorify the here and now. We tend to glorify the earth, the earthly, and um and that's and that's I mean. I'm not one of these guys, or if it's earthy, it's bad, right? Or if it, it's fleshy or something. But Paul certainly had a revelation of that. He was like, What are you going to do? Kill me? Ha! That's know? really spoken to
1: me a lot yeah, through it. the years, like, except for now that I have kids.
0: Yeah. Do you have totally, kids? Yeah, I got three, three. Four. Just out of four. You
1: know, it's good to know how many you <laughs> yeah, should probably. I,
0: I call. I call her Stop Baby Number Four yeah
1: <laughs> do you know her name
0: yeah victoria okay are you yeah. sure yeah, yeah you i'm pause. so don't, don't. okay it's
1: checking. <laughs> checking don't ask don't ask me that no more but, questions for me let's you know, talk about you <laughs> when you think about having kids that's the only reason i don't want to die like yeah, but if it wasn't for the, first of all i don't trust my ex-husband with them for the next 18 years <laughs> i love him but not really uh so besides them death does not scare me yeah but I will fight to the death. I do not pray anything, um, That's good. you know, anything less. But I always like to just hear how other people think about it. I just feel like when I watch Todd White, mm-hmm. who I really admire, and he goes on a cruise ship and he gets like all the waiters and waitresses together in a video and he starts praying for them and stuff starts getting healed. I'm like, there's nothing more fun that I can think of in this world. <laughs> but it's a lot of work to get to that place. There's a lot of warfare. There's a lot of quicksand. That nobody sees and they think, oh, you're pastoring and you're telling jokes. It's delightful. They have no clue what it takes to get to the microphone. Do you know what I mean?
0: Yeah, as far as the journey that it actually. Yeah, it's hard. Yeah. No, I mean,
1: even a daily journey, even the warfare, seven days a week. Just, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Well, fires. I think the frustrating thing is when people look at at somebody and they think that they didn't have to do anything to get it. It was just it was just given to them, or if 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 you're just privileged because you're there. I think when there's an that kind of assumption, that's when it can be real easy to be offended by that sort of that sort of assumption but I would imagine that everybody has such a such a journey everybody has so many trials and things that they have to go through that it's it's awesome when people actually do get to come into certain sort of recognition for their achievement and be and a certain level of performance that's being celebrated by the by the culture because it is at a, at a certain standard
1: and then the Bible says that we're not supposed to celebrate that we're not supposed to strive for that and you know I'm watching this Bible study series and she's like don't be like you know some of these churches in the new testament where it's all about self-promotion and i was like well y'all didn't have facebook then you know it's like i struggle with i struggle with the business that i'm in of being like uh i have to promote myself on a daily basis because i'm an entertainer and there's a machine that needs to keep running sometimes i want to chuck it and just like hide
0: i think don't you think that um I feel like for it's almost a religious spirit that comes to get you to disappear, that comes to try to get you to erase your face or your name, or your, mm-hmm. uh, because the when you, when you look at the ministry of Jesus, his ministry began by his father promoting him in front of everybody. You know, Jesus was baptized in, in water, and he comes out of the water, and um, uh, and the and the and the voice of his father comes down and engulfs him. And and then and and he says, "This is my son. This is my this oh, is I'm my well love, and yeah. in, in whom I'm well pleased." Like the father came and showered his public affection that was on. Legit. his And like Jesus, like that. I think we all need that. I think we all need to be a celebrity in the eyes of
1: our Father God.
0: But then, because how do we not? That,
1: how do we not suffer from competition syndrome? How do we not? It, whether you're a office worker or you know an entertainer, I think there's that fine line entertainment's the worst i don't think it, i don't think ministry is any easier because you're constantly you know looking around and i just try so hard i um i definitely am okay with the performance like i don't listen to the audience when i'm performing people think i'm weird and ron my ex been who i toured with all the time i would constantly get off stage and i'd be like was it okay and I still do that. And he'll be like, Carrie, they stood up. And I was like, oh, I, I almost like turn, it's like an out of body experience. So on stage, during the performance part, during the ministry part, if I started to get a big head about that, I think I would take it away in two seconds. So that's not even the problem. It's more like when I've got these books coming out and there's like this pressure that I put on myself. But then you have the publishers and you're like, I want it to do well. And if it doesn't do well, they won't ask me to write more books. And it's like this cycle. But I've chosen this cycle. And during the cycle there's exciting things happen. Like is it you because get, it's
0: is it because it's unfamiliar? Like because you're so familiar on stage, you don't feel the pressure to perform. But because writing because you're not doing that every day, because I you're not putting out a book every well, day.
1: Well, I think when you're on stage, you've already bought the tickets, you show up and they like you and they clap for you. And yeah. I, I love doing a club. Yeah. I love going to Hollywood where I'm comic number seven, and they may know me, they may not know me. They're half drunk, and I go and I make them laugh. Yeah, and I might throw in some Jesus stuff, and I love doing that because yeah. they always like what, uh, but I do it in an inappropriate and funny way. But yeah. that makes me uh, get a huge adrenaline rush of like I did that. But I think writing is more. Um, if you have a bad comedy show, you always get another chance. Yeah, when you write. I'm very blessed. I'm writing for the Hallmark Channel now. We're writing scripts and stuff. Congratulations. Thank you. It's so much fun. But you can't help but put the pressure of like, this better be good. And in this world... It's an honor that somebody wants you to even write a book. So the fact that you put all this pressure and the editors and the publishers and the marketing team, it's like a big deal as opposed to a comedy show. Just give me a mic. Just give me a mic. I'll go to sure. Albuquerque. Sure. It's fine. I sure. know I'm good at that. So the book is like, oh, I hope it's good. I hope it's good. I'm buying a house. I hope it's good. You know, it's like, And totally, I want to totally. write more. Totally. So with Hallmark. It's it's a comical experience writing for Hallmark because they'll be like, Oh, you said sucks, we can't say sucks. So you have to like go and rewrite the script. Or like, oh, he mentioned his abs, we can't say abs. Like Hallmark is like cleaner than Jesus. Like <laughs> really? Hallmark, yeah, yeah, oh yeah, my yeah. gosh. That's like hilarious. it's so crazy. They were like, Oh, you said jerk, take it out. Yeah. So I'm like, dang, we need to go to Netflix, we're edgy. You know? <laughs> right, right, right. Um, so it's a joy. It's a joy to do, but there's this every time you turn in a script you're dependent on somebody else giving you that next job yes yeah. and my job is they love me and they hire me and then i'm fired because i'm done so then you have to get more people to love you and hire you and then you're done yeah so it, it is a cycle but i've been doing it for 14 years wow. and i've weathered a lot of storms wow um bob smiley who's a great comedian yeah. and uh we've toured together and a couple years ago it was like the election year and things weren't very profitable with all my jobs and i was kind of scared and he's like have you not had a bad year I'm like, I don't know. He's like, suck it up. Like, suck it up. You'll be fine. Just keep your head down. And he was right. But wow. Wow. there's we don't have a boss. So on Fridays, I don't get like a boss paycheck. I have to pray and always be humble enough to go, God, um, hey, do you want me to go to Seattle? You know? Yeah. And, and every time I'm so grateful because I've worked all the crappy day jobs. So I you know I could be back there at any moment. I could be telemarketing at any moment trying to sell you a timeshare. Like, I don't know. <laughs>
0: sweet, sweet, sweet.
1: I don't know what I would do. I've thought about that. Have you ever thought about that? If you weren't doing what you're doing? What's what, the what first what's you, the
0: first thing, like, when you think about that, if you weren't doing what you're doing right now, what's, like, the first kind of default thing that you could see yourself like doing? Like, either
1: absolutely nothing <laughs> like trophy wife um, like go any eHarmony and like grab like an older gentleman with money um, just like and don't pray for healing um, like there's like a good but like there, I mean no like l- maybe counseling because okay. I like to tell people what to do yeah but I don't have day job skills like yeah. I really don't yeah I mean I coach people I have a coaching business I coach speakers I've coached pastors I've coached comics but like day job skills yeah I don't know. Maybe sales. Maybe like I yeah, don't know. Yeah. See,
0: for me, whenever I think of like if I wasn't pastoring, I don't right. know wh- why. Right? I don't know why. But the first default thing, it like that comes to me. Like I'm not thinking I'd go all in YouTube. I'd go. I'd go meet. Like I'm not thinking that at all. But, like I I swing all the way over to like if I wasn't pastoring, I guess I'd just have to sell cars. Like right, I go right, right to right. I go right, right to selling cars. Yeah. yeah. And I, and I go right to trying to find. It's really funny. Like instead of just saying <laughs> you drive
1: by the dealership, you are like. Hmm. Yeah. <laughs>
0: I go right into... But it wouldn't be that bad. Like I could try right, to start right? psyching myself out. You're like, well, like I mean, we'd be I, okay, right, right, you know. Well, It'd be yeah. a Mercedes dealership. Right, you know, you start right. like, you know. I could do
1: sales, I could call my friend Shelly. I mean, she does sales. I could do pharmaceutical, like and they're like, Oh, I have to show up every day, and I hate that and I've never had a day job. And I'm like, ah, yeah. uh, you know, and then God's like, calm down. But you know, when these churches call me and they're like, Will you come to Seattle or or um, you know, and they buy all my books at a show, like they literally don't know that they're feeding my kids in the literal sense. Cause I think there's an impression of Hollywood would and i'm like look these dollar store stories are not just jokes people okay i bought yeah. the popsicles um <laughs> you know but then here's the here's the hilarious part about my life i'm a single mom i'm not wealthy and yet i'm buying a house in los angeles it's california only awesome. by the grace of our lord and come savior on, come on. because he is making things possible he's sending me roommates he's sending me them like it's That's not awesome. it's and I've lived in this beautiful house and it hasn't been because, oh, I sent you a windfall of money. It's never traditional when you're serving God, right? He will bless you like a prophet, like with favor from other people That's you can't plan it or plan for it.
0: Yeah, that's awesome. I love it. Um, hey, let me ask you. So uh, well, let me tell you. Uh, so last year, like so like I've always been fascinated by comedy and it's probably more of just the larger conversation of entertainment. I don't know if we talked about this on the phone or not. That. And... Um, uh, and so I went down and checked out one of our local comedy clubs in Seattle the, the comedy underground and for an open mic night and so I watched and I just observed and then at the end of the night, I signed up for a week out, right? So I was like, so I was on the list for the following week. So got there early, met up with my buddy. We're kind of we're out there standing in line, uh, kind of in, just observing, kind of observing this chemistry and this dynamic right. with, with all the with all the comics that were outside. It's funny because my buddy um, that was outside, he's so just naturally funny. Like, he's, he had everybody laughing, but he had everybody super intimidated because of how just ridiculously funny, you know. And, but I know him, so I'm not intimidated. So anyways, we, uh, we go in there, and, and um, one of the things I noticed after just, just spending just two nights in just our local Seattle-y mm-hmm. comedy underground kind of environment with these comics that are just beginning, right, mm-hmm. um, is I couldn't believe how some of, their, some of the acts, it, they weren't um, funny at all and it's almost like they weren't even trying to be funny. How
1: grossed out were you with how dirty they were?
0: Yeah, yeah it was, but actually you know what it seemed like? It almost seemed like this was a form of therapy. It was almost, Maybe. it was almost like, it almost seemed like they were, a few of them came out and just sat down, and it's like, it, it was almost like we were their therapist, as they just, and they would Ooh. make light of some of the most traumatic things in their life. And <laughs> you know.
1: I remember doing an open mic a couple years ago because I was coming home from vacation with my family, Yes, I still vacation with my ex husband. And um we were driving back into Hollywood, and I get this call from this manager in Nashville, and he's like, Danny Robinson wants to come see you. Danny Robinson is Tiffany Haddish's manager. He's like this huge dude. He wants to come see you, and I'm such a type A that I'm like, stop the car. I need to go do an open mic right now. We're not even close to my house. Drop me off on <laughs> Uber. I don't have anything to wear. He drops me off at the thrift store with my daughter. I buy, like, some dress, and I'm like, I'm going to an open mic. I mean, I'm a professional comedian, but I'm like, I'm going to an-. So the family drives me to this open mic, and I meet this girl. And then she decided we're going to go to another open mic. And it's a Latino gay drag bar at like 11 o'clock on a Tuesday night. And it's dark. And nobody's there but the comics. And it's dark spiritually. and They're all just dredge of society jokes. And I just went on like, listen, I am here and you all need a hug. And you need to make better life choices. Like we all need to just stop right now. And they just burst out laughing. Because all these guys are like. You know just so dark like wow open mics wow. are the darkest of comedy because you haven't honed any skills to be funny yet
0: right 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 so if
1: you how did you feel when you took did you take the mic
0: yeah i did i did and uh and it was the most uh, and, and this is actually what inspired it so when i'm at sarah bible center this is like this is like my home court. Yeah. These are my people. They love me. I yeah, love you them. You kill every week. Yeah, exactly. So I can say it's just something, just dumb, and they'll be like, ah! uh, yeah, yeah, like just tears. I like, love Christian. You know, like it's it's just amazing. I feel so celebrated mm-hmm. every mm-hmm. week. You know, yeah. And um, uh, so I was like, I want to see what it's like in a place where nobody's gonna honor me, where nobody's gonna celebrate me, just because you know, where there's no right. It, and I'm just gonna come in and see how this how this goes. And um, so I did, and it was the most. You got two minutes. And after one minute, the red light turns on, you know. And again, for a preacher, like what can you do in two minutes? I can't even introduce myself in two minutes, you know. Like hey, you know. And so, like going into that, like so, it was so intimidating. It was so like, and and you know what? If my buddy hadn't videotaped it, like so, there's my memory of what happened, and then there's what actually happened. My memory of what happened was it was this horrible. Horrible experience, you know what I'm saying, and yet I felt so like like the second I was done, I wanted to get right back up. You see, that
1: that's it. what the test is. Richard Pryor said the adrenaline rush of stand up was similar to his heroin drug use because the adrenaline rush. Which you preach, you get it. So you either want to kill yourself after your first time doing comedy with a fork, plastic fork, slowly, and because that's easier, or you're like, I can't wait to do it again. And like I was like you, I'm like, let me at it. Yeah, and even bombing isn't as bad as you think it was. And then you just get to a point where. But I am nervous as all get out when I do a club. I don't care how many years I've been doing comedy. Because there's a bunch of people in the front row. And it's like some small room or whatever. And they introduce me. And I get a great intro. She's been on this Tonight show 29 times. They don't care. It's like Jerry Seinfeld. That goes, I'm only Jerry Seinfeld for two minutes. And then I have to be funny. Yeah. Because you can't fake funny.
0: Yeah. You know? yeah I, I there's two points where people where people laughed and when I, but I didn't know that when I did it so when I listened to the, when I listened to the recording I was like people actually laughed why did they find that funny you know like and you yeah.
1: know it's like when I coach young comics I'm like here's the thing you need to get laughs when you do comedy you know what <laughs> I mean like and I sometimes I coach people and they never call me back because I'm not yeah. I'm not easy. I'm like you're not going to get up there and tell a funny story. Yeah. You're going to get up there and you're going to tell jokes and you need a punchline as you progress as a comic. Sure. Like I'm talking about comics that have been doing it for a couple of years. You need a punchline every 10 seconds and that's being generous, maybe 15. And that's People will say, well, this funny story about my kids. And I'm like, the funny story is three minutes. And that payoff three minutes later is not big enough when you're set on The Tonight Show is three minutes long. So next time you watch a stand-up.
0: Yeah, it's interesting.
1: Look, count the laughs. Count how many laughs they get. Yeah, okay. One, two, three, Jim Gaffigan, whatever. It's usually 10 to 15 seconds. Yeah. That's generous. If they're really ones, it's like this. It's like, because you do the punchline and then the tag, then the tag, then the tag. And wow. if they're that good, they're just hitting it. Wow. And you're laughing like the whole time. And you see these comics get an audience into the frenzy because they have smithed. Because they started like you, two minutes. Mm-hmm. And you get two minutes that are undeniably funny. Don't go for five. My first coach was like, don't go for five. Then five. Then seven. But these kids, they want to rush it. And then yeah. we're like, can I open for you? Can I do 20? No. Wow! You know,
0: you know the thing that I was surprised about is like so. If I if I feel the, the the more naturally funny I am is when I feel the most comfortable. Sure. Like when I'm hanging out with my friends. Right. But when I'm stressed out, I'm not funny at all. Right. Right. Like when I'm fear when I'm full of fear. Right. Like you you don't even think about. It. So that was one of the most that was one of the craziest uh, sensations is the pressure of having to be funny mm-hmm. when you're absolutely terrified.
1: But comedy but, is a lot about anger. If oh, you're really? not angry.
0: Maybe that's why I sucked at it. Maybe
1: your life is too good because you I, I need so. problems. Because here's a theory. <laughs> Eddie Murphy was funny coming up. Kevin Hart's funny coming up. You know he's yeah. not that funny anymore? Kevin Hart. You know why? He's got $80 million. He's not angry. He's <laughs> right. not talking about his crackhead dad. Yeah. He's got a back porch problem with the raccoon. I just watched one of his specials. I was like, I don't care. I want to hear how you went to Disneyland with Shaquille O'Neal and you couldn't pay the bill. That's what makes me funny. Like when you're the broke one... Like so
0: I think you're right. Think unless
1: you're, right. you're Seinfeld or Jim Gaffigan and you're an observational comic. But sure. Jim Gaffigan's like I'm fat. I have a problem. Right. J- Seinfeld's like I have a problem with everything. If you don't have problems, you're not funny.
0: Yeah. You got to yeah. be mad. Yeah. Yeah. And
1: it's funny when I started comedy, I was blonde and blue-eyed and I think I was 28 and I was like Delicate. I was like, you know, it's hard about being Italian, and, but and now I'm yelling and screaming like an angry black woman, and I mean that in the best possible way, not racial, but, but like I am just angry, and it's I've evolved into this. Um, are you though? Yeah, like I'll talk about kids. I'm like, you know what, kids are wussies. Like they're yeah. wussies. I don't want to do a fundraiser, so they get a Nerf playground. They need to suck it up on the merry-go-round yeah. wheel of death and see who makes it. So it's like this total. But is like, that real? Yeah.
0: Like so, you're so no, uh, no, because you don't seem like an angry no, person not, at all. I mean, you I, seem like you yeah, I, have all this joy. But I
1: have a comics mind. Yeah. And a comics mind is not right in the head. Do you really <laughs> want to go back here? Do you really want to go to your pastor? <laughs> you ever play that game? <laughs> well, you that's where
0: I was wondering. Like, for, like, well, like, 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 how, how 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 real does it have to? Does it? Have no, to,
1: it's got to Like, I j- I joke. I'm like my 11 yeah. year old. Ellie is tough. She joined a gang. Yeah. It was like all-girl gang, and they made us sell these cookies, boxes of cookies, and everybody knew it was Girl Scouts. But it's like, so there's this thing, and I'm like, and I hate Girl Scouts meeting. You know, the only time it's fun is when they bring wine. Yeah, And so, because <laughs> that happened one time, you know? And so it was sort of this, like, thing about... Girls and I'm like, yeah. and I hate my kids' activities. I can't even fake it. At least I have a phone. Wouldn't my mom have a crossword puzzle? You know, so I'm saying things that other parents are like, I don't want to go to your basketball game. Nobody scores a basket. Just that tall girl. She's not even on your team, and you're never gonna play professional basketball. <laughs> right, right. But I don't have the heart to tell you to your face. You know, so
0: yeah, sure, the stuff sure, That's in our inner, yeah. It's
1: not even the anger, but it's your inner monologue is what comics bring out. So if you're a good comic, I'm gonna say. I'm going to say things. If I'm doing a pastor's conference, it's one of my favorites because I can say all the things that you wish you could say out loud and we yeah. can make fun of, yeah. you know, all, you know. and I do millennial jokes and da-da-da. And um, I posted on my Facebook today, everybody hates millennials until you need an Adobe acrobat turned into a PDF, right? And so right, like right, all right. the old people. Yeah. Now, the thing that I'm struggling with now, awesome. once I hit 40, is I never want to become an old person comic. But some of my old people jokes are funny. And so it's hard... Like, I joke, I go, you know, I was 25, I'd wake up and be like, I'm going to go scale a mountain. And now I wake up and I hurt myself in my sleep. And so, like, certain people will laugh yeah, at that. Yeah, and I got to be funny enough to make the 25-year-old still laugh. Because yeah. I was like, I can't lie to you and say it was a skateboarding accident. I just slept with two pillows and I can't move my mat. <laughs> so, hopefully it's funny enough. But I was like, if I ever do a mammogram joke, kill me on the stage. Yeah, just okay. shoot me. Cause I don't want to have
0: standards. Yeah, I yeah.
1: have standards, but yet as you don't want to resist the life stage that yeah. you're in. Like I'm in a mommy life stage, but when 15 year olds come up and say, "Will you sign my arm in Sharpie?" I'm like, "Okay, I'm still cool."
0: Yeah, yeah, but yeah.
1: it's that kind, con- right? You know, you, and even like I notice that I am uh, at this new church and I really like it. And the pastor's in his 40s; he's my age, but I'm. Old. I was like, why did they have to have all the flashing lights? And like, I don't need the strobe lights and I just want to sing. And I'm like, Carrie, don't be the old cranky lady at church. Like, you know? So it's it's a weird um hitting 40 and you know, beyond it's a weird life stage because you're not old, you're not young. You're sort of like in that middle ground. And I never want to be that person that's always reaching back and saying, Well, I got to grab this generation to make sure they love me. It's trying to be present where we are, even in life, right? Wow. Right. And I hate it when people go, Enjoy it now with these kids. It just goes so fast. It just goes so fast. I was like, Really? Do you want to come home and do their third grade math? Really? Right, right, right. But I know they're right. Yeah. Right. How old are yours?
0: Four weeks, uh, five, eight, and 10.
1: You're in it to win it like me. Yeah. Four.
0: Yeah. You got four kids. Yeah that's a party yeah it is boys girls so it's uh they're all girls except for the eight-year-old boy and there's there's so much there's so much fun like they're 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 amazing but yeah andrea gets all the medals you know she andrea is just a trooper
1: i mean and i really love them at this age so i hate it when they say it's gonna get hard and i have an 11 year old who's very smart and very snarky and um you know, she'll say things to me and she'll get like a little hormonal. And I'll go, we're <laughs> not. We're not doing this. Like, I know your friends think we're doing this. You're not doing this. You're not getting PMS. You're not going to be hormonal. And she'll be like, did you ever get PMS? Which, of course, everyone does. These no. are like
0: declarations. Yeah. Is and like I like, like no, you're
1: we're not going to do this. or I will lock you in your room for all of you. T- like, you're going to like me. I'm going to like you. Like, that's happening. We don't happening. do PMS in this we're family. We're not doing PMS. Right. So one time... <laughs> I'm out of That's town, awesome. and up, I mean, it's you have daughters. You need yeah. to be prepared for this. It's not 14 and 15 when these hormones start kicking in. So, Ron texts me a photo, and he said Lucy thinks she might be getting her first period. So he sent, she sent him to the store. So he sends me a photo. It's uh, some feminine products. Ben and Jerry's ice cream, Advil, and salt salt and vinegar potato chips. Because that's what she's seen mommy do for all of her life, you know? And he's like, what am I going to tell her? She's wrong. I'm not going. She's like, Daddy, you have to go. And so, but like this whole teenage thing, like she's going to be a jerk. I mean, um, I'm like, no, we're not. Like, I like you. You're snarky. I will call you out on your stuff. I raised them completely different. My mother was very um, old-fashioned and authoritative. And I feel like my problem when you raise ministry kids is they're smart and they talk to adults their whole life., yeah. so then they think they're on equal footing. right So right. I literally have said the words, "I'm the boss." like yeah. that's why. Yeah, and she's just as tall as me, you know, yeah. and you'll see as they get yeah. older, because your kids probably speak very eloquently because they their lifestyle, they've been around.
0: Yeah, probably my five-year-old is probably the most eloquent, like oh. she's probably the boss. You know, I'm always like, what, what do you, do you know what you're even saying when you use these, these words? Cause well, and she, then they're she'll never actually wrong, make right? up, she'll actually make up words that are actually pretty impressive. Don't like you they're see. not even real words, I but they're, but they're very impressive. They sound like they should be like scholarly. I just
1: like, Lucy wants to be a judge. She wants to be a Supreme court justice. And I. I think she's gonna make an incredible lawyer because she will argue that Jesus died underground and she'll win. Like you'll just be like, oh my gosh, I didn't read it. She's like, no, it's elocutionary, and it's like he died, and she'll just argue. And she's eleven, and she's like, you know, Christopher Columbus did not discover America. Did you know he's a serial killer? And I'm like. What? Oh, and he was a rapist. And so like (laughs) we're sitting at dinner and her dad's like, You just called Christopher Columbus a rapist. Do you even know what that word means? He's like (laughs) trying to break it down. Well, my third grade teacher said that he is a bad man. And like so, I'm just like, you gotta stop with your words. (laughs) You you are a danger to society. Yeah. Yeah, yeah.
0: yeah. My uh, Sophia told us yesterday, yesterday in the van, we did this crazy road trip. I was having to get on them for something. She said, Dad, don't be so dramaful <laughs> And I was like, Don't tell me you know, again. But again, respect. mad, mad uh, props for uh, dramaful. I was being
1: dramatic Okay yeah, about that. Yeah,
0: yeah. I love it. But yeah, no, it, 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 it's amazing. I was gonna ask you, like, so comedy's like always been like a, a big thing, especially with HBO, right? A really pioneering yeah, yeah. Uh, comedy and but now it's like I feel like there's like a revival. I, I'm of really comedy. excited,
1: and I'm working on a project potentially that could be a comedy special, um, possibly with Amazon. And then I'm also working on a project that might come out next year with Fathom Events. Fathom okay. Event is where they do these theater releases, one night only. Yeah, yeah, you know yeah. They do yeah. I've seen faith, those. It, So we might be doing a comedy night with a couple other comics. It would be a one night only, maybe Mother's Day uh, release, um, clean comedy, and um, faith based performers but with a clean major like secular people could watch it and enjoy it and i'm like look why why don't you try to find clean comedy on netflix yeah. try to find it
0: yeah it's yeah.
1: barely there
0: right yeah, I mean, Netflix and, and now Amazon's starting to get to get into, yeah. yeah. is So is that the direction that Amazon's trying to go? Are they trying to go with more more with like clean comedy? No, they or? don't care.
1: We're just pitching it. Yeah, we're yeah. just like, let us in. Like we're just knocking on the door. Sometimes I feel like the Christian entertainment culture, we're, we sometimes we can be late to the party. Like we haven't shown up for the comedy party <laughs> right, yet. You right, know? Right. We've shown up for the stand-up party, but Christian movies aren't we love christian movies and if you're if you're climbing a mountain you can make a movie about that or if somebody wants to run a race you can make a movie but a comedy about a christian that's got faults and foibles it's really hard to get people behind that because they're so terrified of laughing at the wrong thing and being inappropriate but I feel like the stand-ups, there's so many good Christian stand-ups out there. I mean, you, John Christ and Bob Smiley, and there's so many people. Um, Bob, you owe me money. I keep mentioning you on this podcast because we're on tour together. But um, there's a lot. There's Pay a, up, Bob. Yeah, he owes, he owes me. Yeah. Uh,
0: it's time, Bob.
1: Yeah, we, <laughs> we were doing a tour for singles called Singles, Not a 4 letter Word. And then he got married and, like, ruined the tour. I hate him. But there's there's stand-ups that have always been good. And pioneering stand-ups. Even the Mark Lowry's and the Shonda Pierce's and the people that went before us. But now we need to parlay in that to the film world, which is what I'm hoping to continue doing, and and just realize that it's okay to laugh. It's okay to write books that are funny. I said to my publisher, how many humor books do you have? And they're kind of like, oh, yeah, we're not, like, doing a lot of humor right now. Why not? <laughs> Amy right. Schumer's doing books right. and Kaling's doing books. Right. right. Everybody else is doing books. Yeah. So I'm the only humor book that my whole publisher maybe they have other humor books, not a lot. So we're just digging back in and seeing if I people like I think that's awesome.
0: Like I think that's amazing. I hope so. Yeah, and what we'll do is we'll uh, we'll include in the show notes links to, Thank because you. because you can actually pre-order.
1: Yeah, you can um, go to Proverbs Thirty Two womancom
0: Okay, Proverbs Thirty Two womancom mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just love the title. I think that's I think that's amazing. Yeah, what's happening here in uh, in LA? Um, the kind of the entertainment capital of the mm-hmm. world. Do you feel like do you feel like when it comes to spirituality and and, and even Christianity mm-hmm. that things are opening up like the the playing field is becoming a little more like I, people are like I
1: would think that LA is a lot like Seattle I think that we get a bad rap we're known to be really liberal we're known to be really progressive and then I have been to some of the most spirit filled amazing churches now here's the thing mm-hmm. it's a divided culture. If you're a millennial and you're okay going to a church called Bread, and you have enough leather pants for four services a month, like there's a lot of churches for you, (laughs) and they have really their names. There's a church called Bread Ecclesia, you know, like Peanut Butter and Tuesday. Like there's all these churches (laughs) with like you can't have two words, yeah, and like um, they're amazing and they're calling down heaven and like. But I don't have the wardrobe for that kind of church. Okay. Like yeah. I'm like, yeah. I'm tired. I know you guys were clubbing and you guys wore that last night. <laughs> and I've gone to those churches and they're meeting in nightclubs. But see, they're on fire. Yeah. I went to one of those yeah. churches, and uh, I was I was psyched. It was in a club, and this kid next to me was on his phone most of the service, and he looked kind of tired. And we had to join hands. Uh, and I'm old. I'm like, the music is too loud. Turn it down. And I, we have to join hands. And then the the pastor says, you know, if you want to accept Jesus, squeeze your neighbor's hand. Well, this kid squeezed my hand. I went into mother mode. I'm freaking out, trying to be cool at the same time. I'm like, oh, my God, this kid just got saved. And God's like, see, you need churches wow. that are in the middle wow. of a club in Hollywood Wow. to reach these people. And this kid got saved. He got saved, and he squeezed my hand. And I'm freaking out, and he's calm. So I'm trying to be cool. But um, then there's... The traditional churches, but there's sort of a divided culture. I've yet to find um, spirit-filled churches that have multi-generational congregations Mm. thriving and growing. I'm in one right now. Um, I was in one before, but it was an older generation, and they were striving to get the younger generation to get excited. So it's kind of what I describe as, when I was growing up in the 80s, and even the 90s, -hmm. do you remember if families would watch TV together? Do you remember like like we would have, maybe we would sure. watch Full House sure. Sure. or you would watch um, Growing Pains or whatever the yeah. shows yeah. were Friday um, Night Yeah right, right right TGIF. Then kids got their own TVs Yeah and then Disney Channel came out and then Nick and, Nick Nickelodeon and then kids had their shows and their parents had their shows so no longer is it family television even back generations ago Happy Days Laverne and Shirley all the shows. There's no more family television. So it's almost like church is as segregated as pop culture. Yeah. And I don't know if you see that. Yeah. And yeah. everybody's obsessed, obsessed with we have to reach the youth. We have to reach the youth. I get that, but don't go so far over to the left that you forget about the, the hand that feeds you. Do you know what I mean? Yeah,
0: absolutely. absolutely. Um, so
1: I, I, I don't know what the answer is, but I'm seeing it in LA that you can find a church for you. You can find your tribe if you try hard enough. But being a spirit-filled charismatic lowers the playing field, yeah. you know? Yeah, It's like going on Match.com and saying, I want to date a Christian. Why would you do that? Because, you know, it's like that's the 1.1%. But um, there are churches. There's, there's revivals. There's amazing Christians. There's amazing schools. There's amazing prayer meetings. You just have to find your people. And I would rather be in a culture like L.A. where I go to church and it's real because I want to be there than a lukewarm culture where maybe I'm expected to go to church because everybody in town shows up on Sunday and nobody's doing anything about it.
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Well, what you're talking about as far as like the club church scenario, kind of hipster church thing. Do you have a hipster church?
1: Cause you look like kind of hipstery. D-
0: d- no, our church isn't. Uh, you
1: look cute.
0: Th- that's an honor that you'd say that. Uh, no, come like. Come on. Do you have
1: coffee in the sanctuary?
0: It, it, are you allowed to bring coffee? Yes. yes. That's yes. cool. Yeah.
1: Old people would fight you on that. You should
0: see our carpet. <laughs> um, but we like, uh, or was I say? well LA is definitely paving the way, I would say, as far as kind of like, you know, this club, you know, like like well, it's the become, Judah Smith and yeah, like the people and, that are like the but beach then, and,
1: like you know, people make fun of Justin Bieber and like, I'm like, well he's going to church and somebody's ministering to him and somebody drew him in and there's not just him but like there's other young kids that they need to be drawn in somehow. There needs to be a place for them, but I hope that they end up getting in a meat church. You know what I mean? Like a meat church where yeah. you're like we need to teach you about some life choices. My yeah. biggest problem with Hollywood is people saying that they're Christians and not wanting to give up the thrills of this world. Okay, I am so angry about it yeah. all the time because I feel like a lonely island sometimes going, I'm offended by this TV show. I'm offended by this movie. And i have born again, spirit-filled Christians right next to me going, what? It's not that bad. And I'm like, I wish God could come down from heaven for one second and be like, she's right. Game of Thrones is porn. Okay. Like, please listen to me. (laughs) I talked to a pastor who watches Game of Thrones and you can't win that argument with me. And I'm like, I'm going to give you a plate of spaghetti. And I know it's really good spaghetti. I'm going to put a little bit of dog food in there. Like, why are you going to eat it? Yeah. He's like, stop with your cliches. But Just a little bit of poo. Just a little bit. Yeah. But the thing is. People are saying that they're Christians here and they're in the entertainment world and they're making bad life choices and the enemy still has a foothold over their lives. That's right, that's right. But then they're prophesying about Christ. So it sends the message to the public that if I give my life to Christ, I don't have to give up anything. Right. I can still make all those movies. I can still have that big mansion in the hills. So what if you get divorced? It's fine. Like You just get remarried two minutes later. Yeah. Everything's fine. They're Christian. They're making it look really easy. And I don't think that's the message Christ would have given.
0: Right. Christ went to a
1: cross and died.
0: Right. Right. And he told
1: his disciples, you're all going to get it. You're (laughs) all going to die. Right. Like, buckle up. Yeah. So why do we think it has to be easy? Now, I do think God is going to bless me. I'm going to get a house with a garage. I'm really excited. He wants me to have a good life. But he's going to have me fight more battles and i'm not allowed to do the things that other people do
0: yeah now when it comes to like when it comes to some of the more public personalities that are like that are starting to profess a, mm-hmm. a more public thing of faith when it comes to like, Bieber was one of the early mm-hmm. ones a few years back, but now you have uh the whole Kanye thing that's taking place, and then you have, uh, and then you have. I think Brad Pitt just recently kind of came well, out. Well, Brad came Pitt's out of,
1: parents are born again.
0: Now I've heard that before. Pastors, they're
1: IHOP people. Oh, are they really? Yes.
0: Okay, that's awesome.
1: So years ago, in a People magazine article, they said, "What's your pet peeve?" And he says, "People that need, think I need to be saved." <laughs> Katy Perry's parents, born again, spirit-filled, yeah, tongue-talking yeah. preachers, and I said to her mom once. Um, you know, how do you feel about your daughter? She's like, I'm praying for my daughter, just like you would pray for your daughter. Yeah. Now I think Justin Bieber, is it Bieber? Bieber? I think it's Bieber. I think he's going to get on the Jesus train for real. If he's not on already, I think he has called. I think he's got a calling in his life. I really do. He started talking about abstinence. He's trying to turn his life around. How many pastors do we know? We had a terrible life or, you know, your twenties were a, a big mess up. And then now you're pastoring. I think he's got a great call in his life and we should give him a chance. And I mean, first of all, Kanye, God bless him. Like, if he gets saved, if we could get a Kardashian on Team Jesus, anything is possible, you know?
0: Kanye like, Kardashian. God, God, yeah, God. yeah.
1: Like, but I'm just saying, like, we shouldn't limit them, but I'm not taking it seriously until I've, I've, until like I think Justin is an example of somebody who's tried to make life changes. He said, "You know, I got married. I knew sex outside of marriage was wrong. I wanted to do the right thing. My marriage isn't easy, but this is what God told me to do." Right? That's a Christian statement.
0: Well, I think that everybody's super skeptical. Sure. Uh, 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 as or you have you have you have people you have certain people that just you know get excited about everything you know cuz they have no discernment but yeah you have you know so i think you have people that are like yeah like this ah! like any any sort of thing like this comes well, like, out remember
1: and- they wanted to put bono on the bible front cover in the 80s yeah. he's like I'm a Christian we'll take anybody you know like well, okay
0: But <laughs> you know what I'm wondering I'm actually wondering with, with because it's starting to pop like popcorn and I'm actually kind of wondering if we've had so many different prophetic words about the west coast and even like another Jesus, yeah. Jesus people movement
1: mm-hmm. I hope so. I'm
0: almost wondering if there's like the rumblings of like a second Jesus people movement that's starting because it started here in LA right the well original. we had
1: the Azusa street revival yeah what did you hear about Brad Pitt did he say something about God
0: yeah, uh, just recently. He, he, I don't know I'll if he Google was it. if he was rolling with uh, Kanye recently. Oh, or something. he showed up and then, at Kanye's thing. Yeah, and then he he released a statement about how he was he was he used to be an atheist, but going through this recovery with addiction with alcohol, oh, it's brought him. him back to his faith. And
1: That's, you know, and the thing is, they're just people like. You know, I'm sure you and I both say like behind the scenes you meet people and you're like okay they're just people with problems and desires and and we put entertainers on such a pedestal totally. yeah, and totally. I'm like listen they got to stand before God like like Tom Cruise and all those people they have to stand before God and it does not matter how many movies you made but if we don't have our hearts break for them if we're just jealous of them or angry about them or judgy about them that's when we get into trouble and that's my my yeah, battle you're, you're right. on a daily right, right. basis of going. If I'm going to get judgy or competitive or angry, um, I am not going to be usable by God to minister to anybody if I'm just spouting off rhetoric because I think I'm somehow better. Where was I when I was 24? Do you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. Justin's a kid that was thrown into the spotlight when he was 13 years old with crazy temptations and crazy life. Look at our icons. Every single one of them. Michael Jackson. George Michael. Drugs major drug prints drugs to stay alive because they couldn't take it because the enemy dangles that carrot so hard and so fast we shouldn't really envy their lives if you take back the curtain but the enemy has such a foothold on hollywood that nobody wants to take back the curtain even the instagram it's supposedly reality tv is all fake so i think we're just almost like poisoning pop culture with more fake it's not it's less real than it ever was um but yeah, if somebody really does in a public manner get saved for real and make like life choices and life changes and the enemy lets one go because God's more powerful, I would be really unique to watch. I haven't seen it happen. Well, you know, there's, you know, artists like the gentleman from Corn, and, but they, they end up kind of dropping out of the public eye sometimes. They're yeah. like, I gave me life to Christ. And then they're not stupid. They're like, I don't want to part of this dumb stuff anymore. I'm going to go yeah. live my life.
0: Yeah. Yeah, well, Brian from from Corn, he's still really going for it. So he's he's in, that's amazing. He's in Corn, and he wrote a book. Yeah, and but he shows up at every uh, he shows up like I was just at a conference in Tennessee, and he shows up like he any, awesome anywhere God is moving. It's like Brian shows up just to be in it. And just, why just do to we be,
1: think that that couldn't happen to Brad Pitt? I mean,
0: yeah. But that'd i be amazing. mean amazing like anywhere god's moving you're gonna see like, brad lord, pitt i the audience really want to get ah! like
1: i really <laughs> want to get 15 prisoners say but like one brad pitt equals 50 normal people like <laughs> that's how right. we're like waiting on a curve <laughs> right, right and if you could get angelina lord we could do charisma magazine yeah, that's together right, that's right you know that's right. it's so funny we're yeah. like and it's real we think that way
0: yeah yeah we do we do it, it does like as much critique and as much kind of cynicism that there can be sometimes it really feels like there's some there's some sort of current there's some sort of tide that's changing and And I,
1: i um i do tell you i wrote this in my book how jealous i can be of my friends getting worldly success and i was backstage one night and my girlfriend booked an hbo guest star and my guy friend sold a movie to hallmark and i'd been pitching to hallmark and i hadn't sold and i was sick and my stomach hurt and i was cranky and i went on stage and i performed and we prayed for hours that night just hours and i can't remember i think there was a diabetes healing i think there was a woman with an autistic child that i know that god was moving and i went back to that hotel room and uh, by the way uh my car had just been hit i was at a prayer meeting i came out a drunk driver had hit my parked car my My parked car was like in the you know everything was total the insurance wasn't paid for it so i had all this pity party and i go back to the hotel room I told every book that I brought like I'm cashing like a little one dollar bills, you know, and I'm crying because I'm like, Lord, that night was one of the greatest nights of my life. I would never trade this for an HBO guest star. I would never trade wow. this. But Lord, if wow. you want to give me an HBO, I'm totally open. <laughs> but to be in your calling, in your lane we got to stop trying to get in somebody else's lane that's right even in ministry right right? like you are supposed to be doing this podcast at this moment for such a time as this there's other pastors like i'm supposed to be doing a podcast maybe not but like you're in your lane and you know what it feels like to be in your lane right absolutely yeah when you love it and you can't wait to get up on sundays and you can't wait to be with your people but if you went to the left and you said i'm supposed to go to overseas evangelism maybe that wouldn't be your lane
0: and you would feel it. Have it's you true. ever had that happen? Yeah, when you absolutely. Out? Yeah, absolutely. And It's fun too because I feel like the Lord gives us permission to engage with various assignments. Mm-hmm. So I've taken on some things that that didn't necessarily have a lot of favor on them.
1: Did and, you know at the time, or did you think?
0: No, no. Like, I, like, 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 I've tried different things where, like, where it seemed exhilarating. It seemed fun. It seemed like it could be could be God, but it turned out it wasn't. And so to be able to gracefully leave something just as is just as gracefully as or you like stepped into get something get
1: that revelation of like, huh, no, that was not you. Sorry, Jesus. Like yeah, yeah it's like yeah, I tried it. You know,
0: one, one thing that uh, do, I don't know if you know Patricia King is yeah, of course. okay. Awesome. Yeah, one thing that she talks about is she she uh, separates the call of God versus assignments from God, mm-hmm. and I found tremendous freedom in that because it's kind of like um, like being a pastor is not your call. She would say that's an assignment because one day I might be ninety-five and might not be a full-time pastor.
1: Well, do you, what do you think about evangelism? So I think evangelism and healing are my call.
0: Okay. But well, what, what in, Patricia would say? Because I'd
1: be like, I, I, being a comedian is not my call.
0: Yeah. But is, being a
1: person that prays for healing, I feel like might be my call.
0: Yeah. So if if it's something that you're, I, I think that she would like that could be a call because it might be something that you might do all the way up until the day that you die. You know, leading. and
1: I have tried to quit comedy a couple times. Comedy, and I remember praying about it and feeling like God was going, "Well, you could work at McDonald's, but you would be in the parking lot praying for people, so you might as well just do comedy."
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think that like like typically your call is something that's it's thirty thousand feet, and it's a it's a core part of who you are. It's a core part of your so day. I think that's and that, evangelism, and that for no me. matter what you're doing. It's, it's a part of it and you can kind of just articulate it in just a word or two versus the assignments like you'll have a variety of evangelistic assignments or entertainment or being assignments, a writer well, a writing assignment you sometimes
1: know. when I pray for people at a show and I go home and I get really bad nightmares in the hotel and it's a really hard night and I can pray maybe it won't happen maybe it will and I'll feel really bad afterwards just kind of slimed yeah but i get up the next day and i'm like let me at it let's do it again like it's almost like when you give birth you wow. your wife did wow. four times wow. you're like let's do it again because you forget the pain you kind of know it might come again but you're just like let me at it let me at it nothing's gonna stop me yeah from praying for people as much as the enemy wants to keep coming at me nothing's gonna stop me but in those moments of pain and warfare you might be like oh this is hard this is hard but it, it's momentary yeah. So.
0: Yeah, Carrie, you're on the front lines. So appreciate uh, your yes to the Lord and just uh, what you're modeling. We'd encourage everybody that's watching to make sure that you go uh, into the show notes and click on the link there, pre-order uh, Carrie's book. But also, everybody that's watching, let's covenant together to really cover Carrie yes. in our prayers because I'll these people it. are on the front lines. They're not just uh, one day going to do this stuff. You really are doing this stuff. You're you're modeling something. You're doing works of ministry and it's and it's amazing so we just applaud thank you. applaud you and thanks, thanks for everybody. thanks for creating time in your schedule and making sure. the trek and doing this this is amazing you're, thank you're amazing you. Carrie. thank you Podcasts are definitely trending right now. There are so many brand new podcasts that are hitting the market. And I think that iTunes is kind of overwhelmed. And one of the ways that iTunes aggregates what's hip and relevant from the rest of the noise that's hitting the web is through ratings and reviews. A bunch of you have already taken the time to leave a rating and a review of this podcast. And I just wanted to say thanks You guys are incredible and you're so supportive and I love you. And if you haven't had a chance to take that minute or two to leave a review, if you do that, that'd be incredible. And I've created a shortcut to get you there. It's thedarenshow.com. That's thedarenshow.com. You can give it one star and that means that you think it's kind of lame. Or you can give it five stars and that means that you think this thing be dope, be tight, be off the chain. So if you would take the minute or two to leave a review, that would be mighty fine of you. Again, it's thedarenshow.com. Com. Thanks guys.